0: Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. So this morning we are continuing our study through the book of Mark, um, specifically in Mark chapter 4. And this passage is especially fitting this morning wood street chapel as you can tell kind of we have we have a lot of stuff that goes on right there's a lot of different things that are going on a week from yesterday we sent a a team a group out to mexico to minister to the church in that area diana is is fresh back yesterday from that mission strip so welcome home um And as part of the the work that they were doing there, they were working with local orphanages. I know you're going to have more to share with us probably next week is what I'm guessing. Uh, Maybe when Charlotte gets to be with us as well. (laughs) Last week we talked about the the parable of the sower, right? And while there's a lot of attention paid to how we are called to respond to God's promptings on a regular basis, we're also called to make ourselves available to be used by God. That we're to be involved in this process of sowing seeds, sometimes without a clear understanding of how God is going to grow those seeds later on. And if we look at at this missions trip that has taken place, it is a perfect example of people making themselves available, to be used by God, stepping out into maybe sometimes uncomfortable, sometimes unknown circumstances, sowing the seeds of God's love into the lives of those that they come in contact with. That's exactly what it is. And so this morning, we're going to look at at three different parables that Jesus used to teach a, a specific message. The kingdom of God knows no borders. If we think back to the Old Testament for just a minute, we have the people of Israel, the the children of God living in the promised land. And, you know, I have these nice blue lines that I have taped on the stage that maybe you can see, maybe you can't. These blue lines are the thing that I stay within so that I don't get out of the frame for the camera. (laughs) Because if I step right here, now, now Joe's going to have a, a freak out because he's like, oh, no, I can't see you. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm here. <laughs> Imagine that, that this is the promised land. And I can, I can walk to one side or the other and, and I'm within the, the boundaries of the promised land. And, and the people of Israel we see throughout the Old Testament, they're, they're making these choices that they make, they make choices that result in them being exiled out of the promised land. Out of God's place that was set specifically for them, right? If you remember back to our, our study on Nehemiah, God's people and God's presence in God's place. And so the, the people of Israel are, are exiled out of God's place. And the, the people of Israel are so caught up in getting back to God's place because they want to experience God's presence. They want to be back in right relationship. But one of the messages that God sends to the people of Israel as they're in exile over and over and over again is get comfortable and learn how to serve me here. Learn how to serve me where you are at because you're going to be here for a while. And so the people of Israel come to this place of of learning what it means to to serve God outside of the promised land, outside of this place. And then eventually they're brought back. And then they never make a mistake ever again and they're able to stay there. No, (laughs) that's not how it works. But the message is clear. Learn how to serve me here, even in the midst of, of your discipline, even in the midst of, of the consequences of your decisions. Learn how to serve me where you're at. And so in the New Testament, then we have this, this different version of this, but it's the same thing. Christianity is in its infancy. The church has, has just kind of been born. Jesus has ascended into heaven, and the church in Jerusalem is beginning to grow. But there's this lack of growth outside of the local region. And even though the the departing directive from Jesus was to take the message of the gospel, right, the good news, take that to the ends of the earth, Jerusalem felt pretty comfortable. And it wasn't until the church started facing persecution that they then were, were kind of driven out of Jerusalem, driven away from that region down to Antioch. And then from Antioch, the, the, the mission went out and the gospel went out to all, most of the known regions of Europe and Asia. It took getting into the uncomfortable for the, the mission to be accomplished. Well, it sure is good that Christians today don't try to contain Jesus in four walls, (laughs) in a place called a church, (laughs) right? Because sometimes we think that people have to come here to get patched up, that people have to come here saying like, well, if you would just come to church, then everything would be fine. Come to church, you know, like the four bu- walls of this building, like this building has some specific mission or, or part of the, is part of the equation of, of furthering the kingdom of God. And can I say it is a tool that is used to further the kingdom of God, but is there anything specifically special about these four walls? Not really. Dan, can I have you come up for just a minute? We're going to, we're going to do something. I'm really glad you came today because this was going to be a really boring illustration if you weren't here. So I need you to stand. No, you just in between them. So just right there. No, just just stand. So you can just be there for the rest of the day, okay? That, that'll, that'll be fine. <laughs> The kingdom of heaven isn't supposed to be stuck on the floor, right? If Diana's approach to the kingdom of heaven was that, well, I can't, can't go anywhere. It's, it's right there. I mean, these, these two white lines are the kingdom of heaven. I, I can't leave it. I can't, I can't go to Mexico. I can't go care for kids in an orphanage. I can't go help other churches in need. I can't go do... The, the kingdom of heaven is right here. Is that really the kingdom of heaven? No, the, the kingdom of heaven... Okay. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> so, Diana goes to Mexico... We'll say Mexico's your seat, Diana. You can go sit down now. (laughs) So she, do you see? The kingdom of heaven went with her. (laughs) It went with her to Mexico. It went with her wherever she goes. And so it's no longer a matter of the four walls of the church. It's no longer a matter of a geographical border. It's no longer a matter of anything on this earth other than who we are in Christ in us that is taking the kingdom of heaven where it needs to go. And so sometimes we get this feeling of, of people needing to come here into these four walls, into this building, but we need to go out of these four walls and be with the people that need the kingdom of heaven. It's not supposed to be stuck to the floor. So let's take a look at these three parables. And, and what was the, the word that was, was stated? What was the, the direction that was stated Yes or last week? He who has ears to hear... Let him hear. God, that is our prayer this morning, that you would give us ears to hear. And so starting at verse 21, it says, And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So this is the, the first of the three parables that we're gonna look at. And it's talking about this, this direction that we are to shine the light. If we're to shine a light... That means that the gospel is not a secret that's supposed to be kept. How many of you have ever tried to have a young child keep a secret? <laughs> Most of the time, they just can't do it. <laughs> when, when Eve was younger, I would take her and her brother to get a gift for their mom. It was for like Mother's Day or a birthday or Christmas or something. And I would always have to keep an eye on her when we got home because a few minutes after we got home, she would normally like walk up to Kaylee and say, you will never guess what we just got you. You would never guess that we just got you a purse and some good smelling soap and really good tasting candy. It is going to be the best surprise ever. Can I just say that is how we're supposed to be when it comes to the kingdom of heaven? That's the way we're supposed to keep that secret. It's not supposed to be a secret. But for some reason, we tend to treat it like it is a secret. We don't want to embarrass. We don't want to offend someone who might not believe. And so we try to be polite not realizing that we're actually hindering the furthering of the kingdom of God by my good manners. When you cover up a light, it gets snuffed out. So I, I learned a lot of things from my wife. And recently I learned that I have been doing candles wrong for the past 38 years. <laughs> I just... Apparently, I, I didn't know. So, Kaylee has these tools that are involved with candles. Like, I always thought we just needed a match, but but there's more to it than that. There's, it, it looks like a whole medical procedure that we have going when we're dealing with candles now because we have a, a special set of, like, trimmers that like trim the wick so it's the the right way and then we have this special scraper that like scrapes the candle down like if it's in a glass jar you want it to be like all even and and then we have a special like snuffer that you like put on the candle so you cuz you can't blow a candle out <laughs> I was doing it wrong this entire time and so there's a special way, like you're supposed to let it burn for a special amount of time. Who knew? So all of that to say, if you have a candle, you don't blow it out. You, you use the, the, the snuffer to snuff it out. And how does the snuffer snuff it out? You put it over the flame, and it deprives the flame of oxygen, and it goes out. Now, the reason you do that is because if you blow it, it blows the wax and then it messes up the candle. See, I'm learning. And so it might be assumed that as a pastor, this is is not a point of focus in my life. I'm not talking about candles anymore, okay? Uh, I'm talking about making my light visible. It might be assumed that as a pastor it's it's easy for me to just be like hey you need Jesus I have Jesus you want to get on board. But it's not. Because I I'm part of the human race <laughs> just like you are. We we all have this this struggle that happens within us of well, is this the right time? Am I supposed to say this? Am I allowed to say this? Is this going to create a problem with this relationship down the road? I work in, a, in addition to what I do here. I work as a director in an IT company. I work with and over a number of different individuals. How do I, how do I determine when... It's appropriate for me to, to, to bring Christ into these situations. And, and how do I determine when it's appropriate for me to, to invite someone to, to receive prayer? How do, I, how do I do this? And can I tell you, it becomes a lot easier when you, you remove the responsibility from yourself and say, it's no longer on me to determine when I pray for someone. It's no longer on me to determine when I share what Christ has done in my life as a testimony to another person that's up to the Holy Spirit to determine. And when the Holy Spirit says, hey, now's a good time to pray, then it's say, like, okay, well, let's pray. And if the Holy Spirit says, let's just wait for a minute, then I'm going to wait for a minute. And can I tell you that that has led to the most impactful conversations that have happened within my workplace? Where, where lives have changed, where, where family trajectories have changed, where people who are hurting have been able to come and receive prayer for, for illnesses that they didn't know that they had, where, where there's all of this family hurt that's taking place, and I'm able to be there and say, God loves you. God wants the best for you. And it has nothing to do with who I am and everything to do with what, what Christ is doing in that situation. God brings the opportunities when we make ourselves available. And what we see here in in this particular parable is that the amount of kingdom opportunities that you receive is proportional to what you do with the opportunities that you have already received. Now, that doesn't seem very fair. Fair. In the world of everyone gets a trophy, that doesn't seem very fair. Everybody's supposed to get an equal opportunity to serve Jesus. That's how it works. Well, apparently it's not how it works because God said so. (laughs) God is saying that he gives more to those who are faithful with what they have already been given. And sometimes we are so focused on the big, grand, amazing front of house event that we want to be a part of that we let every small, seemingly small opportunity pass us by when God's like, I'm calling you to serve, just get out there and do it. Yeah, but God, that's not that's not the glamorous, sparkly, clean, comfortable serving opportunity that I was hoping for. Yeah, but this is what needs to be done. Can I tell you, that is what, as a person who is over employees, that's what I look for. Every day of the week, that is what I look for. Who is the person that is going to show up and do the thing that needs to get done? And when I see who is doing the thing that needs to get done, that's who I trust to do the big things. Can I tell you, that's, that's what God's saying here. Show me that you can show up and get the things done and you will be trusted with much. Be faithful in what you have been called to do and you will be rewarded. And then we come to the, the second parable, verse 26. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. I love how we have the farmer who has no idea how anything grew. (laughs) That... It's just like tossing seed and he says, I don't know, I just throw the seed and stuff comes up. That's, that is the level of involvement that we are supposed to have. And that should be relieving, but it also should put us in our place a little bit. <laughs> you aren't that important in this entire equation. I feel like that's kind of the theme of today in Sunday school. I think I said that at least three times. I hope you guys don't leave here with some like inferiority complex but we really aren't that important. And yet God still chooses to use us. God still chooses to allow us to partner with him. Before we can experience growth, before we can experience the harvest, somebody first has to scatter the seeds. And this is what the mission team did last week. Scattered seeds. And think about the the process of planting and growing. What is the least impressive part of the process? The guy that throws the seeds. The real miracle is that the seed, when placed in the soil with the correct conditions, that that seed is then able to grow. So I know I have a lot of illustrations today. I brought my orchid. So my orchid was in a sad, sad state. (laughs) It had a leaf. This one. (laughs) And Kaylee kind of teases me because... I don't really do a whole lot of gardening. We don't ha- I don't have a lot of plants growing in the house. But I have this orchid, and it sits next to me in my office, next to my computer. And what I have done is I've said, okay, we're going to bring you back. <laughs> we are going to, to bring this thing back to life. And so what I did is I, I set a schedule. I have a routine. This orchid gets three ice cubes placed in it once a week. That's all it gets. I have it in sunlight. I prune off anything that that might uh, need to be pruned. And then I watch. That's all I've done. It's just three ice cubes, Monday morning, and I watch. And then I got a second leaf. And then shortly after that, I got this sprout that came up, and I got two more leaves after that. And then I have this, this other leaf that's come off of here. And then all of a sudden this other shoot came out here. And then I have two leaves here and then another three here. And if you look really closely, there's this little section right here that's coming out where it kind of looks like this might be where we get some vine where the flowers are actually going to start coming out of. I've been waiting for this to happen for over a year. We don't know what's going to happen when we sow seed. It would be so amazing if when we sow the seed and apply the water, we come back the next day and it's like, done. Can I tell you that is not the way it works? (laughs) The way it typically works is you sit there and you watch over the period of a year as this leaf grows. And then this leaf grows. Until eventually, over time, flowers begin to bloom. And that's the kingdom of God. Authentic kingdom growth is not, it's not anything that, okay, my involvement here is putting three ice cubes in the dirt. Okay, I I didn't do much here. Authentic kingdom growth is not something that is attributed to my own personal skill or or strategy, right? There's nothing about this that's amazing in terms of what I've done. What's amazing is what God is doing with this organism, with this plant. Okay, let's remove the illustration for a minute. This is the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Matt Maresh. okay? So this isn't anything where if we're experiencing growth because of, like, my good idea or uh, some marketing plan, if we have somehow figured out how to trick people to come to church, that is not kingdom growth. We're called to be part of the movement of God. So if the the nature of discipleship, if the nature of of growth in the kingdom of God within the the body of Christ is consistency, is a steady march forward rather than this drastic result, then that means that that we have to be paying attention, that we have to, to be consistent. That we have to be intentional. Again, it would be amazing if when I water the orchid one day, the next day I come into my office and pfft, it's done. But it's not going to happen that way. It requires patience. It requires determination. It requires consistency. Can I tell you that there are days, there are Mondays that I forget to put the three ice cubes in. And can I tell you, I'm not like, oops, I forgot to put them in, let's throw the plant away. No. It's like, well, I remembered on Tuesday. Let's put the ice cubes in. And then we move forward. You know, we, we've talked about this before. There are times where we, we think we've messed up, and that one mess up has now disqualified us from the love of Christ. We've made that mistake. We've, you know, maybe it's you forgot to read your Bible. Maybe you haven't been praying. Maybe you didn't share the time that the Holy Spirit was prompting you to share. And it's like, well, I messed up. I'm never going to try again. Because that seems like a healthy approach to life, right? Right. Um, No, of course not. So we start with shining the light, and now we have this this throwing of the seed. And then the third parable that we have is this growth that's to be expected. He says, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or, or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. And yet, it, when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all of the garden plants and put out, puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them, and they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. We cannot begin to fathom the contrast between the meager beginnings of the church and the culmination of what the church will be when Christ comes. Can't even begin to fathom. I mean, Think about that for just a moment. Think about the, the group of believers, the group of Christ followers who are in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, when, when the Holy Spirit comes down, they, they've just been given this direction to go wait in Jerusalem and, and you're going to receive power from on high. That was the church. Do you think any of them expected or could even imagine that we would be here in the year 2024 following their footsteps as they follow Christ? I don't think so. I don't think that was something that they were like, oh yeah, we, we totally see where this is going to go. <laughs> in the same way, I don't think we can even begin to fathom the results of some of the seeds that we've sown in this lifetime. Diana, I don't think you can begin to fathom what is going to grow from the seeds that you planted. One pastor says this that the kingdom of gro- God will grow significantly through insignificant people. If you look at the Bible, you see over and over and over again that God uses the insignificant. If you I can just say God God uses the insignificant people. <laughs> okay? If you feel insignificant, that's a perfect place to be. As we come to a close this morning, we, we have these three parables, these three teachings, these three lessons that, that Jesus presented to this group. Talking about the kingdom of God a kingdom of God that that knows no borders, a kingdom of God that is meant for all the nations of the earth. And the only way that all of the nations of the earth are going to hear it is if we actually participate in presenting the message. So that's the, the call. That's the opportunity that exists for us this morning. It's an important word and an important distinction is opportunity. It's not an obligation. I don't even think I'd use the word responsibility. It is an opportunity. It is something that we are invited to. And we have a choice as to whether we're going to participate or not. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you have placed before us. God, as we go out from this place, as we go out from the four walls, Lord, as the kingdom of God in us, Holy Spirit in us, goes out, Lord, we ask that that your kingdom would be on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we ask that your kingdom would come that your will would be done. Lord, we come this morning and we ask that you would move mightily in our workplaces, that you would move in our families, that you would, would move in each of the relationships that, that exist in this room, Lord. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.